Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. <laughs> uh, this is the Daily Tip. Presented by Bet MGM. With Michael Jenkins. It's alive! And Chelsea Messenger. I will eat your heart. On the Bet QL Network. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Good morning. It is the Daily Tipper by QL presented by BetMGM. Happy Halloween, everyone. Coming up on this All Hallows Eve edition. The Lions roar last night in Motown. Also, Game 3 of the World Series between the Rangers and the D-backs last night in the desert. Mad Max towing the rubber for Texas. That's coming your way at 620. At 640, we have to talk about Dabo Sweeney losing his mind a little bit during a Clemson call-in show. We'll do that college football as well. Also, have a preview of Week 9 in the NFL coming your way during the 7 o'clock hour at 7.40. Chelsea will put together her world-famous NFL teaser, and then we'll discuss which leg might let her down at 8 o'clock. More for pro football, followed by P.J. Glasser for BetQL's Send It In at 8.20 as he reveals his card for the week. And you know we've got our best bets at 8.45, which hopefully will be a treat. Chelsea, good morning to you, and thank God someone on this show is in the Halloween spirit because I'm in a hoodie like a total loser. And you, I believe, let me see if I can figure it out. You are dressed in red. You have horns on. I'm going to say some sort of ram with a genetic deficiency, which makes you seem red instead of white. Am I close? (laughs) No, I'm a devil. Duh. Yes, you're the devil. The ears. (laughs) Because here's the thing, like we can't do that much because our shot on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL, is only from about our collarbone up. So I really Mm -hmm. could only go with like a five-minute costume that was just simply some ears. And as a female, I feel like we have a ton of like five-minute costumes where you can just kind of put on ears and say, oh, I'm this, Uh, which is great as a mom because most of the emphasis is put on your child. But this is one of my five-minute costumes that I use every year. And I was about to wear this to the trunk or treat on Sunday night. But shortly before we left, I realized that this trunk or treat was at a church. And I was like, well, maybe I should go to a church (laughs) trunk or treat dressed as the devil. So I almost did that. Luckily, I did it. And, you know, 
I wasn't smited from above. Yes, going as Beelzebub to a church-sponsored <laughs> event, probably not the best idea. Who are you? Ah, Satan. Have you, I mean, mm, I'm just trying Satan. to fit in with the theme here. Satan, guys, it's in the Bible. Check it out. Don't we talk about this? I'm giving yeah. you a reason, yeah, to maybe do a little He's research. He's one of the main on... characters. Yeah, come on. Just, <laughs> I'm not saying believe in the guy. I'm just saying he is part of the story, is he not? <laughs> <laughs> excellent call Chelsea. excellent call great job i'm glad you are dressed up i am just a loser that's it just a loser in a hoodie and we had speaking of winning and losing we had an eh night it's about time the doctor got some wins because he was awful last week so tell me about your best bats yeah had some tough luck in the rangers game i'll tell you that because i had max scherzer over three and a half hits allowed for my best bet he was pulled after 36 pitches with back tightness. He had given up two hits, so I felt like he was on pace to give this up because he was going to stay in the game. He was actually pitching pretty well. Mm -hmm. But when you get hurt and you exit the game early, it's really hard to get those props. And then had Brandon fought over four and a half strikeouts for even money. Man, was this a tease because he had four strikeouts, I think, going into the fifth inning. Or maybe it was going into the sixth. And he had multiple two-strike counts. I'm like, here it comes. Here it comes. I can go to bed. I can go to bed. Nope. Three straight balls. <laughs> He's going to walk the guy. So that was an L as well. Luckily, my dude, Ben Simmons, has been tearing it up for me. Had his uh, rebounds plus assists over 16 and a half for minus 105. That was a winner. He finished with 10 rebounds and eight assists. So who would have thought Ben Simmons was the guy that was my MVP of the night. A one and two night for me, but I'm not going to hang my head. I felt like I was pretty close to my other ones. Yeah, your bets were great. They were handicapped the right way. What are you going to do? Oh, I think I'll handicap that Mad Max will leave the game early with back tightness. That's just the way it goes sometimes. So that's tough luck there. I went one on one. Did have Josh Jacobs under 63 and a half rushing yards. He had 61. Glad I got that number early because by game time, that was down to around like 59, 58. Everyone was on that. Also had Blue Jacket Stars under six and a hook. Loser for this guy as the Stars went 5-3. So one on one night for this guy. As for the Donkster, finally, he needed a 2-0 and night. Thunder laying five and a half against the Pistons at home in Oklahoma City. The Thunder went at 124-112, and then Canadians Knights under six and a half. Knights went in a shootout 3-2. So for the week, it's early. You're one and two. I'm one and one. And the Donkster is two and oh. It is the Daily Tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. Happy Halloween to all of you guys out there. And it is a, a victory Tuesday for the Detroit Lions after they take care of business against the Raiders last night, 26-14. The Lions were laying seven points at kickoff. They were minus 335 on the money line. Total set at 46 yesterday in Motown, the under hits. How about Jameer Gibbs, the rookie going off for a season high, 152 yards on the ground and a touchdown, and another rookie coming up big as well. Put two seconds back on the clock. There he is, the rookie, Laporta. And the Lions have their first touchdown of the night. Joe Buck with the call on ESPN. Sam Laporta, eight catches, 57 yards. Now the Raiders do pull within two points in the third quarter after Jared Goff throws a 75-yard pick six returned by Marcus Peters. But then Detroit pulls away, once again, intercepting Jimmy G. He leads the NFL with nine interceptions. But the Lions, once again, find a way to get it done. They improved to 6-2, and two, one of the best teams in football. 
Yeah, it felt like a, a great bounce back spot for Detroit playing back at home, especially coming off of that embarrassing loss to the Ravens. I think the only thing you were sweating here was the spread. And if you were brave enough to take it, bravo, mm -hmm. because this Raiders offense looked like absolute garbage. Uh, but yeah, huge night for Jameer Gibbs. I think the betting lesson in that one is I was nervous to play his rushing plus receiving because I think it was 99 and a half. But if you truly think somebody's in a smash spot and they have a ton of the opportunity, obviously David Montgomery out, you should not be afraid of those numbers. Because, uh, yeah, Jameer Gibbs went over 99 and a mm. half rushing plus receiving with his rushing alone. But do you think there are any betting lessons in this one? Because I don't think we have ever led over a touchdown on the show in a primetime game. Like ever. I don't think so. Well, I was a little nervous because we nailed this handicap, but I was nervous because it opened, I believe at one point, the Lions were eight-point favorites or eight and a half. It went all the way down to seven, so money was coming in on the Raiders. I'm not quite sure what the lesson is here. I think maybe if there is one, it's that you don't blindly follow trends, which I know is kind of a, a very basic lesson, but primetime unders tend to be the vet or a big spread in prime time, you stay away from that. But sometimes you have to just put those things aside and say the number is the number and the handicap is the handicap and not let those other things affect you. Well, and also, how far apart are these teams truly? Because this score is even misleading. Because, yeah. like I said, the Raiders' offense was so bad that this game shouldn't have been close. There was a pick six True. in this game that gave Las Vegas one of their touchdowns. So I think maybe that is the only case in which you lay a big number. I don't think I will continue to do this just because it makes me nervous because it feels like, you know, if the other team scores a touchdown, you're in a very deep hole. But do you ever think that the books are trying to make people bet on the Raiders at seven and a half when they're just kind of offering you that hook? You know, kind of like I'm the devil. Yeah. I'm like, listen, just take <laughs> this hook. It'll be all great. It'll be fine. I promise. All it'll take is your soul. Yeah, I think you're, exa you're exactly right. Come on, man. The hook's not going to hurt you. You need the hook. You want the hook. You love the hook. Let me give you the hook. I, I Yeah, I think you're right. And a lot of people did take that. But I, I think ultimately that, and I know the Raiders did pull close, but I also think that if you like the handicap, this is what happens. If you have a big number that you like, a lot of times over the course of four quarters. Yeah, it's a four-quarter game, so two or three quarters, it might be close, but the better team pulled away over the course of the game just because, and then this did follow the game script that we talked about. I will say that because we said mm -hmm. if if the Lions pull ahead, do the Raiders have the ammunition on offense with Jimmy G at quarterback to get the Raiders back in it? And I think we both agreed, no, they do not. He does <laughs> not. They just don't. I mean, listen to this. Jimmy G had 126 yards passing. Devontae Adams looked so disgusted on the sideline last night, he caught one pass for 11 yards. So I know it was tight in the third, but in the end, the discrepancy between these two teams, and it is a pretty wide swath, ended up showing itself out in the final score. Yeah, I remember I was watching this in the World Series game, and I checked the box score for the stats. I was like, this can't be right. Jimmy G has completed three total passes. It's like oh the end of the second quarter. This can't be right. Maybe it just didn't refresh. No, these were the correct stats. From a passing perspective, I think we're learning a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo. Like how good were those Niners teams that he was on? 
that made yeah. him look, you know, like He's he was bad. a decent quarterback. Because I think we are starting to see when he doesn't have, um, you know, I guess all pro offensive linemen around him, all pro running backs, all pro receivers, because he does have an all pro. Like he has Devontae Adams. Do you mm -hmm. think he can, you know, plead the the case that I don't have enough pieces around me? No. When he has Josh Jacobs, who led the league in rushing last year. And Devontae Adams, who's one of the premier receivers in the NFL, I guess you could say, well, Josh McDaniel's my head coach, which, you know, I would agree with you on that one. But do you think time is running out on Jimmy Garoppolo and his time in the NFL as a starter? I, as a starter, yes. As a starter in the National Football League, yes. He could still be a quality backup somewhere. But I think he's showing mm -hmm. he's just not cut out for this. And also, I'm kind of glad this is happening to the Raiders. They sort of deserve it. Because the way they treated Derek Carr, I was—I just thought that they were being supremely unfair to him. This is not personal to me, but I've always thought Derek Carr has definitely been an above-average quarterback in the National Football League for a pretty long time. I'm not saying he's top tier, but he's absolutely better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And you decided, you know what? We're really not treating this guy fairly. We're going to bench him at the end of last season, or he's going to sit out because we're not getting along. No, we'll bring in Jimmy G, and now you're seeing that is a massive downgrade for this franchise. You have to wonder if they will go with Aiden O'Connell, their rookie out of Purdue, or someone else, because right now that offense is just completely lost. We do have to talk about the NBA before we go to break here. A huge trade overnight, and I do mean overnight because it happened at like 3 in the morning. James Harden is headed from the Sixers to the L.A. Clippers. The Clippers get James Harden, E.J. Tucker, and Philip Hetrusev. The 76ers get Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum, K.J. Martin, a 2028 first-round pick, two second-round picks, and a 2029 pick swap. So all of a sudden, the Clippers have moved to 13-1 to to win the NBA title, the fifth-best odds behind the Nuggets, Suns, Bucks, and Celtics. This has been a point of contention all offseason long between Harden and the Sixers. And it's really, it's kind of crazy how his relationship with James Morey has just deteriorated over time. Because at one time, be it in Houston or in Philly, those guys were thick as thieves. And now Harden gets a fresh start again, or Daryl, sorry, uh, Daryl Morey. So are you are you a, a buyer in this in this Clippers trade, that they're going to be better now that they have Kawhi, now that they have Paul George, now that they have James Harden. Not necessarily a super team, but they have superstars. I think the bottom line for me is that James Harden is a big name in name only. So when you see the odds move, I don't think it's necessarily warranted because mm -hmm. you have to lower your expectations for James Harden. He'll have like a couple games here and there where he kind of reverts back to his old self but on the whole, how consistent can he be? How consistent will the effort be? Because we have seen this story before. James Harden goes yeah. to a new team. Uh, he's good for a little bit. And then he gets antsy or he doesn't like something. He wants to be traded. So just, you know, color me a little jaded on this one that I don't believe that James Harden is going to be at his best in yet another new location. Yeah, I'm the same way where I feel like the reputation of James Harden has started to falter somewhat he's not he's still a very good player i believe he led the nba in assists last season i need to check mm -hmm. that but he's still a very good player but he's not the james harden that we've seen in years past and i think more to your point he's a guy that seems very curmudgeonly right if he's not happy like you said he's going to move on and so 
He started with the Thunder. Then he goes to the Rockets. He stays there for a while. Then it's Brooklyn. Now it's Philadelphia. Now it's the Clippers. At some point, he's the problem. It's not everyone else if you are constantly trying to shift teams because you aren't happy anywhere. Right. And that all being said, I do think it is a good move for the Clippers because here's the thing. James Harden doesn't have to carry the load there. Uh, He can simply be a number three to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who routinely miss a lot of games. So I think it's a good trade. Like, he could be good there. I just think the market may be a little too high on James Harden still. I can't wait until, like, 20 games into his tenure, he's complaining about not getting the basketball enough. I'm over James Harden. I'm glad the drama's over. He is now out from one coast to the other. Coming up next here on the show, it is a battle between a veteran future Hall of Famer and a young upstart hoping to become one. That's what we saw last night in Game 3 of the World Series recap. Next on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Welcome back to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. It's The Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Double D, nice job. Going to the archives for this. I can't believe it's October 31st. She's Chelsea Messenger. I'm Michael Jenkins. Recap of Game 3 of the World Series coming your way in just a bit. Chelsea, I was talking about this the other day, which is a Ouija board. Have you ever messed with a Ouija board in the name of Halloween or ghosts or ghouls or spirits or the dark side of things back when you were in high school or something like that? No, I've never seen one in person. I'm assuming they sell them, but I I don't think I've ever seen one in person. Have you? Oh, yes. Well, now let me let me backtrack. They sell, they used to sell, and it's been a long time since I've looked for a board game, but they used to sell Ouija board like as a, even though it's not really a board game, you could just buy one. I've never seen an actual made of wood Ouija board with a real oracle or anything like that. I played homemade Ouija board called Glassy Glassy. What's that? Oh my God. Let me tell you, when I was in high school, I, (laughs) some friends of mine and I got into Ouija board way too much. And I saw some things that I did not really like. And I got away at just the right time. We played on top of graves in high school. And (laughs) just to see if we could conjure spirits and it got it got really dicey at a friend of mine my friend rachel who we became really good friends and she had moved into town this is a small town texas right so you're just looking for things to do you know how the internet you're like how can we entertain ourselves and so we're like oh let's play some ouija board it will be fun and then she said well have you ever played glassy glassy we're like, what is glassy glassy she said it's homemade ouija board so you make your own ouija board you take a piece of cardboard and you wrap it in tin foil, and then you put all the markings on it, the numbers, the letters. You use like a shot glass that you turn over as the oracle, but it has a different set of rules. I can't believe I'm talking this <laughs> intently about Ouija board, where 
you put your fingers on the Oracle, but the difference between regular Ouija board and glassy glassy is if you don't dismiss the evil spirits from the room while you're playing glassy glassy, before you take your fingers off the Oracle, the, the thought is that they stay with you is sort of the difference between the two. This is what she told. And I had one of the most bizarre and scary experiences I've ever had playing glassy glassy and have not touched that thing since it was terrible. So what happened? Like you keep saying these things, but I like would like to know what happened that scarred you. Well, okay. Here's a little background. So I'm trying to tell the story pretty in a succinct manner. When I grew up, I grew up in a very small town, Breckenridge, Texas, right? And a very, very terrible thing happened when I was I was seven, right? Not to me, but in our, this is a small town. Nothing bad ever happens there. It was 1981, 1982, I forget. And there was a young girl and she was kidnapped. She was kidnapped from her crib and they didn't find her until years later this girl named ryan burton okay and so it was awful and it just shook the town it was front page news it wasn't until forever like at least a decade later until some guy confessed to it because he was being arrested for something else it just shook everyone so fast forward i'm in high school and we're playing glassy glassy and all of a sudden I'm the guy, of course, I freak out about something. I take my fingers off the Oracle without dismissing the evil spirits from the room. You're not supposed to do it. Everyone else decides to quit. My friend Jason and I decide that we're going to keep playing. So we're sitting there playing and it's, oh, are the evil spirits with us? Yes. You know, you can move it yourself. You know how that goes. I'm not moving and he swears he's not moving. You know how that goes. That's the way everybody says that. So anyway, we say, well, well what are you going to do? You know, since the evil spirits are, are with this, what are you going to do? And so, so all of a sudden, it spells out golf. Well, Jason was a champion golfer in high school. So we're like, oh, it's talking about Jason. Huh, this is funny. And it says Bert. And we're like, oh, Jason has a dog named Bert. But it goes Bert, and then it pauses and goes in. Bert in. And then it says kill. Well, <laughs> Golf Burton killed that little girl, Ryan Burton was killed. They found her bones at our local golf course. And you know what her brother's uh. name was? Brother's name was Jason, the same guy I was playing glassy glassy with. And so I looked at him and it kind of hit us because both, you know, from a small town, you both know that story very well. And I looked at him and I was like, dude, if you, he was no, 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 no. And I said, okay, okay. And, and we both like walked away and have never talked about it since. Like we both recognize there are a lot of parallels here that are really gross and kind of sick and kind of dark. And let's not, let's never do this again. And that's the last time I ever played. It was awful. So have you had a lot of experiences like that? Because, you know, just hearing your ghost stories over the course of the past couple of years, yeah. it feels like you've had a lot of encounters. So do <laughs> yes. you believe in that stuff? I do. This is what I believe. I am not someone who goes around looking for ghosts or someone who, you know, who just conjures up, oh, that must be a ghost. That must be a ghost. <laughs> what, I, what, I do what I do think is this, is that do I think on some level things that are spiritual like that exist? Absolutely. Of course, I do. But I also think that like anything else, if you lean into 
the light, if you lean into good things in your life, good things I think can happen. Maybe you can manifest those things because they come back to you. But you can also, and I saw this a couple of other times when we were doing this nonsense as high school kids, if you lean into dark things enough, you can find some really bad things, whatever they are, whatever they are. So that's one thing where it started off as, hey, this is a fun joke. And then it got to the point where I'm like, I'm seeing and hearing some really, really, it feels like evil stuff. I don't know if this is true or not, but there's some things that are happening here that I am really uncomfortable with and I want to stop right now. Yeah, I tend to believe that I am not, my mind is not advanced enough and I'm not smart enough to think that I know everything about the universe. It's the same thing as planets. I feel like the human brain yeah. can't even like fathom the fact that like, we're just dust in the wind when it comes to our universe. So who am I to say, okay, my opinion is the end all be all when it comes to paranormal normal stuff. Like I personally don't have any experiences. I think like mm -hmm. my creepiest experience has been, you know, back in like mm, 2001 when people are like, if you don't send this chain mail to nine people, <laughs> you're going to have bad luck. Like that's the extent of what I've had. Like I haven't really had any experiences but uh, just because I haven't had those experiences yeah. doesn't mean that I think that nobody else has. Oh, for sure. And again, I know that sounds really sort of cultish for me to tell that story, but also as a dumb high school kid. But also, I do think, look, there are people that can lean into that stuff and you can get really deep into things like that. And I, I'm just glad we walked away when we did. I swear to God, like I haven't done anything like that since. And I'm really glad I haven't missed it. It was like, all right, that was fun. We had our little high school fun, but now I'm glad that's over. I have no interest in doing that again for fun. Sure. But we were trying to get into it. And when you're playing on top of a grave in the middle of the night, I mean, my God, what do you think is going to happen? It's not going to be anything good. You know what I mean? Like there's no, po exactly. there's no positives, you know, that are going to come out of it. Maybe nothing, but certainly not something where you're like, wow, that was amazing. It wasn't amazing. I think whoever is doing the marketing for paranormal activity, like you got to put some positive stuff in there. Cause doesn't it always feel like it's like negative stuff? Like occasionally you'll see like touched by an angel and all that, but yeah. for the most part, it is pretty negative. So maybe they need yeah. to get like Chris Jenner on their side to do a little marketing <laughs> for them. Yeah. We're playing on a grave one. Night. I'll tell this very quickly. I know we got to get to baseball and we're playing on top of a grave middle of the night and this car pulls up. We don't know who these people are. <laughs> It's the middle of the night and the window rose rolls down and the guy goes, are you guys going to be here in an hour? And we're like, uh, maybe why he goes, wait and see and rolls window up and drives off. I was like, absolutely not. And we got out of there. Anyway, let's get into some baseball instead of the occult. How about that? Rangers down the D backs last night, three to one. I mean, it's Halloween. If you're going to tell the story, this is the time to tell it. Three to one, the final in the desert. The Rangers minus 120 on the money line. Total set at nine. The under hits. D-backs had a chance to take control in the second. Tommy Pham single to right field. Christian Walker runs through a stop sign at third. And Adolis Garcia guns him down at the plate. So that keeps the game scoreless until the third inning. Corey Seager smashes a ball down the line. Goodbye. Three to nothing, Texas. Second of the World Series for Corey Seager. And boy, his home runs get out in a hurry. Just a rocket to right call courtesy of Fox. Arizona does rally in the bottom of the eighth. RBI single from Geraldo Perdomo makes it 3-1. But just when the D-backs were on the verge of tying things up, Seager does it again, this time in the field, turning an incredible double play to end the inning. 
And now Texas with a two games to one advantage in the fall classic. They improved Chelsea. You were talking about this yesterday. Nine and oh now on the road in the postseason. Incredible. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that trend. Uh, if it's just the fact that they're really good on the road or if they're just really bad at home. Uh, but I think the takeaway for me is that doesn't Corey Seager look like he's probably going to win the MVP if the Rangers he do sure end up winning this series? Uh, he has been just fantastic, and it feels like every game this series. Because I know Adolis Garcia kind of got the flowers in the first game because he hit the walk-off home run, but it was Corey Seager who hit uh, the two-run bomb in the bottom of the ninth to get that game to extra innings. And we knew it coming in. He has postseason experience, played for the Dodgers for all those years. Uh, so I think... What my takeaway is from a betting standpoint is I don't think I should bet on the outcome of any of these games because hasn't mm -hmm. all of these games gone exactly opposite to what we have expected when you have the yes. Rangers, their top two starters who were nails throughout the rest of the postseason. Oh, they're going to lose those two games. But what about going against Brandon Foss, who's been fantastic for the Dimebacks? Yeah. And Max Scherzer has been kind of hit or miss. Oh, no, the Rangers are going to win this game. So from a picking side perspective, I think I should sit this one out, at least for the time no. being. That's what I'm going to do. I was so proud of myself. I'm like, yeah, you nailed that Monday night football game. And I'm like, yeah, you also got everything wrong in that baseball game. So it always balances <laughs> itself out. Like, it's like, yeah, you're really good in one area, but not necessarily in the other. I, I think now what's going to make this even more interesting is we've got to wait for more information here. Now, Max Scherzer... We talked about this before, left with back tightness. But now, what about Adolis Garcia? Because now he's mm -hmm. got to have more testing done on his torso after leaving in the eighth. Sures are not so much a concern now unless possibly this goes to, to a game seven. But Adolis Garcia, as we know, has been unbelievable. And that would be a huge hit if for some reason he can't go tonight. Right, uh, especially when it comes to the long ball, because one swing in the bat, he can tie up the game if somebody's on base, you know, if they're down two or something. Uh, but I would say that, you know, he's going to try to play through it. It is the World Series. This is mm -hmm. a very large man we are talking about. So one would think if it's even remotely unserious that he is going to play in this game. But it's not like the Rangers don't have a bunch of other good hitters. Like we've said, Corey Seager has been uh, incredible for them as well. So we will yeah. have to wait and see. But I think uh, the takeaway as well is that when you have a series that seems so evenly matched, I don't think this is a good one to bet on. Like from a watching perspective, no. this World Series is incredible. It's just really hard to find value in betting aside when it feels like both teams are just so good. Yeah, and especially now because today we've got a bullpen game essentially huh. in game four, which adds, you know, even more variables to it. And who would have known that that Mad Max was going to tighten up last night? And now you got multiple pitchers on both sides, very likely. Let me ask you this. When you talk about one player like an Adolis Garcia, how much does that affect your overall handicap? Because it's just one guy. It's a very important guy. At the same time, the Rangers have a lineup which is absolutely loaded so how do you factor in the impact if it's a quarterback in football that's different but one player in a lineup in baseball even a very good player how do you quantify that or how do you factor that in 
I think it sucks. Like it's one of the factors in your like <laughs> handicapping stew. Right. But at the same time, it would be the same as if Adolis Garcia went like oh for four on the night. You know, it wouldn't mm. be that crazy if he just had one quiet right. night and he just wasn't really a big part of the lineup. I will say as far as protection goes, like he's somebody that you try to pitch around and like not having mm. him in the lineup, you know, maybe it has some kind of small chain of event reaction, but still it doesn't affect the spread. And I think speaking of the spread, this game at a pick em, it's wild to me how now the Diamondbacks have gotten some respect and the odds makers like us think the series is very evenly matched. And I like that it took until game three or game four of the World Series. It's like, hey, everyone's finally caught up to the Diamondbacks. All it took was an entire <laughs> season and a few games in the World Series. And now it's like, hey, I think this Arizona team's pretty good. Coming up next on the show, Dabo Sweeney's had a tough season at Clemson. He's tired of hearing the criticism and he let one fan know it yesterday you've got to hear this it is next on the daily tip from thank you presented by betmgm come on back chelsea and jenks will be right back on the daily tip presented by betmgm on the betql network Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. (laughs) Shout out to Double D. David Dykstra. Oh, turn this up. I love how bad these are. Like the one guy who had the part, the producer's like, listen, guys, this is great. When when that pause hits, James, I need you to say, boo. No, 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 yeah, boo, just a quick boo. And that's your one part for this song. I can imagine producing a song like this. Incredible. Happy Halloween, everyone. It is a daily tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. She is Chelsea. I am Jinx. And let's get right into this, Chelsea. You know who is not having a good Halloween right now? It's Dabo Swinney head coach of the Clemson Tigers. First of all, do you want a chance to brag about the fact that your Wolfpack beat Clemson last week before we get into that? You you never get to brag about your Wolfpack. I talk about Texas all the time. This is your chance. Oh, no, it's not. Because the second that you brag about NC State is the second that they turn around and they lose to some terrible team. Like, I've seen this story so many times where the second NC State gets ranked, They will lose the next week. Like, it always happens like that. So that's the thing. NC State's only good when your expectations are criminally low. Like, when I'm checking the scores of the Clemson game, I'm like, oh, there's no way that this is going to last. 
And that's the only mindset that you can have. We were talking about like the paranormal and like, you know, mind tricks and stuff like mm -hmm. that. That's what you have to do for NC State. You always have to think negative. That's the only way you'll get a positive result. And so that's <laughs> what you have to do. Because otherwise, if you set your standards too high, you will just always be disappointed. Okay, very good. I understand that. Well, disappointment would be an understatement for Clemson fans. Clemson is four and four. They are clearly out of the ACC race, out of the top 25. They're just trying to salvage their season right now. So yesterday, or last evening on his weekly coaches call-in show, one fan called in, and this is a this is a very long segment where the fan calls in, criticizes Dabo for making so much money, says, seems like you've gotten a little more cocky, got more of an attitude now. And then the guy throws in a Bible verse. It, it's all over the place. Well, <laughs> Dabo, I mean, it, it's about as Clemson as it gets. Dabo had finally heard enough. And here is his response to this caller. You can have all your opinions that you want. All right. I don't know how old you are. Don't really care. All right. But let me tell you something. Um, we won 11 games last year. And you're part of the problem, to be honest with you, because that is part of the problem. It's people like you that do that. All you do is ex the appreciation. The expectation is greater than the appreciation, mm. and that's the problem. And so, you know, we've won 12 10 plus win year seasons in a row. That's happened three times in 150 years. So, if you want to know why, Clemson ain't sniff a national championship for 35 years. We've won two in seven years, and there's only two other teams that can say that: Georgia and Alabama. Okay. Is this a bad year? Is this a – yeah, and it's my responsibility. Take 100% responsibility for it. But all this bull crap you're thinking, all these narratives you read, listen, man, you can have your opinion all you want, and you can apply for the job, and good luck to you. All right? Oh, well, <laughs> I, guess, I guess Clemson might have a new offensive coordinator, a new head coach here, guy who called into the radio show. So – I, I, I want to get your take on this. I, this is what I feel. I feel like both things can be true, which I say probably ad nauseum. Dabo makes a, a, a good point in that, look, he has had more success than any coach in Clemson history. It is, it is not close. Clemson won a national title, I believe, like in 1981 or 83. I forget the year it was. And they went through a really bad time until Dabble came along. So he should be appreciated for what he's done. Two national titles at Clemson. At the same time, it was 1981. Thank you, Bill. But at the same time, this is the job. And when you get paid millions of dollars and money has poured into your athletic program like it has, and you're four and four, that comes with a job. And also, let it be known Dabo has made no secret about the fact that he doesn't like NIL. He doesn't use the transfer portal. And I don't really like it either, but it is where we are. It is a fact. So you don't have to like it, but it's a reality of the job. So I understand not feeling appreciated, but at the same time, when you're getting paid what you're getting paid, four and four will never cut it. And that goes for Clemson. It goes for Florida. It goes for Michigan. It goes for Texas. It goes for Bama. It will not cut it. Hell, Nick Saban lost to Texas earlier in the season. And what have we heard? 
Maybe it's over for Nick. He doesn't have it. It's like, doesn't have it. So has a top 10 team in the country. Lost one game. So what do you think? I, we know what Tyler from Spartanburg thinks, but Chelsea, what do you think? I think it's more telling the way that Dabo Swinney answered this. It's like when people, you can tell they're down on themselves or just down in life by how defensive they are. And I get it. At some point, you've probably had enough with people saying all this nonsense about your job and how easy it is and how overpaid you are. So eventually, you probably are going to respond. But don't you think it's odd that he was this defensive? Because yes. nobody who is in a good place in their lives are this defensive about haters. You know, like it's only if there is some insecurity there. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing is like internet trolls. Like think about somebody who, you know, spewed some kind of insult at you. If it's generic and it doesn't really hit a nerve, you're just like, whatever. But if it's very specific and it's something that you right. generally don't like about yourself, that's when you really start to go on the defensive. So do you think it says more about Dabo Swinney here than Tyler from Spartanburg? Uh, yes, I think that's actually an exceptional point because fans are idiots on the whole. I mean, really. <laughs> Let, let's be honest. All you have to do is peruse any sort of message board or look on mm -hmm. Twitter or whatever, because even in a win, people will complain about things or you hear the dumbest suggestions ever, no matter what your favorite team is. Let's say you're, I don't know, Saquon Barkley could have a bad game and there's going to be fans that are going to be like, this is, he's one of the worst running backs in the NFL. It's like, no, he's not. Maybe he had a bad game. <laughs> but you see overreactions like this all the time. And college sports might be even worse. So mm -hmm. I, I think you're right. Fans are going to be fans. But as a coach, you have to rise above because, again, that comes with the job. And this is not the first time we've kind of heard this from Dabo Sweeney. It's just the first time he's kind of gone off. Like he actually said the word ass during this response. And I thought, whoa. Now Dabo is fired up because normally it's gosh darn it and dang it. And he actually dropped the word ass. I mean, Dabo's upset, but I, I do think you're right. He is not accustomed to this sort of criticism. And I'm sure he's frustrated himself. Honestly, I would not be surprised if Dabo steps away pretty shortly because college football has changed dramatically. He absolutely doesn't like it. And if he's already this upset about the criticism, he's got more money than he needs. He's already a college football Hall of Famer. If he wants, he can step away and say, you know what? You find someone better than me. I brought you a couple titles. I don't like the way the game is changing anyway. I'm out. I don't think so. Like, he's still a relatively young guy. What else is he going to do? He doesn't seem like the type that's just going to roll over and say, well, this is it. Because I yeah. think you kind of have to know the backstory for Dabo Swinney to appreciate his road. Like, he was somebody who did not come from money. If you have read about his time at the University of Alabama, he was rooming with his mother, who was also working a bunch of these odd jobs. So he came from nothing. Mm -hmm. He has climbed such a mountain to get to where he is. Mm -hmm. I don't see him just saying, well, you know, this is it. And think about it. What is it, one really bad season? Because yeah. four and four is bad. Like, I think we can say that. Uh, but yeah. he still play in the ACC where, you know, for the next few years, uh, who's joining the ACC next year? Is it Stanford? Like, who are these teams? I can't How? really keep track. No, SMU is joining. 
Manning and Stanford and Cal. <laughs> God bless America. Okay, sorry. I, I was like, wait, is that can't be right? Yep, that's right. But point being, it's not going to be the most difficult conference in the country. So if you can mm -hmm. even like keep pace at recruiting, mm -hmm. maybe you're not winning national championships, but I do think he can be successful still at Clemson. So I don't see him stepping away just because he is a young guy and he's got some fire to him. Like usually when you see somebody this fired up, they're mm -hmm. not ready to walk away. If they're still trying to prove people wrong, if he was ready to walk away, he'd be like, hmm, we're four and four, whatever. Yeah. Doesn't bother me. My only question is, and I agree to a point, I think my question is, is Dabo, and this is a question he has to ask himself, he's certainly a fiery guy, and you're right about his background and how young he is, and maybe he still has something to prove, even though he really doesn't have anything to prove. But my question is, is he willing to adjust with the game? Because you know how it is in the industry. Journalism is a, is a very good example, right? It's changed dramatically, like from when I started, when a lot of people started. So the question is, are you willing to adjust with it do you want to because you can walk away a lot of industries change and if you're a part of that industry you don't have the luxury of saying well i've made my millions my money i can walk away Dabo can absolutely stay in the biz no question but does he want to with the way the game has changed and only he can answer that question well he's got to adapt look at nick saban yes. look at how nick saban has stayed relevant because he has not been proud too proud to adapt so what Dabo swinney needs to do is totally lean into the Christian thing. You know who has a lot of money? These super churches. So why not be funded in the name, image, and likeness of all these <laughs> Christian churches? Doesn't Joe Austin have like a private jet? Start getting your money from those people. Yeah, just tell Joe Osteen to break open a wall, grab some cash, and donate to Clemson. Coming up next, since it's Halloween, we'll take a peek at the upcoming schedule in the NFL and decide which games are tricks and which ones are treats. It is next on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Hour 2, coming your way next. For more, listen to the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.